Last week we looked at the beginning of Joshua 8. This week we'll look at the last five verses, verses 30 to 35. As you're turning there, this it's kind of an odd passage. It doesn't seem to necessarily fit here at the end of Joshua. In fact, many scholars have looked at this passage, just five verses, and, and, and there's, just, there, there's something wrong. It doesn't fit. And so they've tried to think, well, maybe it goes at the end of the book. Maybe that's where it's supposed to be, and it just somehow ended up here. I believe that God has preserved his word, and I believe if it's here, it's here for a purpose. I believe it's not out of place. And I think, in fact, if you work your way through the book, if you think through it, it does fit, as we'll see in just a second. Join me in reading Joshua 8. Follow along as I read Joshua 8, 30 to 35. Now Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel at Mount Ebal. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man has wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there, in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. Then all Israel, with their elders and officers and judges, stood on either side of the ark before the priests, the Levites, who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, the stranger as well as he who was born among them. Half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. There's several reasons why these five verses seem to not fit. Not the least of which is the fact that it jumps 20 miles. In verse 29, verses 1 to 29, we're at Ai. We have this this victory. And then in verse 30, it jumps to Mount Ebal, to Mount Gerizim. It's about 20 miles north of Ai near Shechem. There's no warning. We don't know how they got here. We don't know if they have conquered Shechem, if the Shechemites were just kind and let them do this. We don't know what happened. We don't know how they got here. It just jumps there. But as you work your way through this passage, I I think it does make sense. I think these five verses serve as kind of a, a break, a breath, a pause. The first eight chapters of Joshua have been exhausting. They've come into the land. They've, they've conquered. They've had these battles. They've, they've trusted the Lord. They've not trusted the Lord. They've, they've gone back and forth. And, and you come now, and, and after seeing Ai defeat them, and they come back, and they regroup, and they trust the Lord, and they go, and now they conquer Ai. And now we pause. 
and we take a breath, and they renew the covenant. It's the title of the message this evening, the covenant renewed, Joshua 8, 30 to 35. And what we see in this passage is the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. What we see here is an opportunity to take a break, to take a breath, and to remember. I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I find myself in a difficult situation, I tend to think ahead to when I'll be out of that situation. A recent example was our trip down south. I talked about it a little bit this morning. We went down to North Carolina to visit my grandparents and down to South Carolina to see my parents. To North Carolina is an 18-hour trip. And so we're driving in the car. We have four kids at the time, four and under. Now the boys are five. But as we're traveling, as you can imagine, our car is not quiet. It's not peaceful at all. This was our first trip after any of our kids, the, the boys in Avery are now potty trained. This was their first trip potty trained, which meant we stopped a lot, a lot, a lot. And so we, we broke the trip up, and as we're getting just near our, our break for the first night, we're about um, two hours out from Indianapolis. We were planning on stopping. We had a hotel, and, and I, I'm just, I'm beat. I am tired. I am worn out. I want to stop right now. <laughs> I remember driving in the car, and I think someone was whining. And I remember thinking, in two hours, I'll be laying on a bed. In two hours, it'll be worth it. I'll be resting. We'll be halfway there. It'll be good. I was looking ahead to that time. And I specifically remember getting there and getting everyone in bed and laying down and putting my head on that pillow and thinking back, Man, two hours ago, I'm glad I'm not there anymore. <laughs> I remember what I was thinking. I remember what I was feeling. I think that's kind of what we have a little bit up here in Joshua 8, 30 to 35. It's a chance to stop, to break, and to look back. Notice what it says. It says, Now Joshua built an altar to the Lord, God of Israel, in Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel. If you look back to Deuteronomy 27, 1-26. Deuteronomy 27, the, the, this chapter, Moses gives them a command. When you get to the land, this is what you do. And just listen to the first several verses. It says, Now Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I commanded you. And it shall be on the day when you cross over the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, that you shall set up for yourself large stones and whitewash them with lime. You shall write on them all the words of the law which you have crossed over, when you have crossed over, that you may enter the land which the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord God of your fathers had promised you. Therefore, it shall be when you have crossed over the Jordan, that on Mount Ebal you shall set up these stones, which I commanded you today, and you shall whitewash them with lime. And there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall not use an iron tool on them. You shall build with the whole stones, the altar of the Lord your God, and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. You shall offer peace offerings, and you shall eat there and rejoice before the Lord your God. 
You shall write very plainly on the stones all the words of this law. And Moses and the priests, the Levites, spoke to all Israel, saying, Take heed and listen, O Israel, this day you have become the people of the Lord your God. Therefore you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. Joshua 8, 30-35 is what Deuteronomy 27, 1-26 looks forward to. When they're traveling and they're tired and God has given them the law and they just want to be in the land and they're thinking forward to that day. Here in Joshua 8, 30-35 is the day when they get there and they pause and they sit down and they remember. And they think back to that time in the desert when God said we would do this. God said we would sit on Mount Ebal. He said that we would build this altar. He said that we would remember. And here we are. He has done it. For he's a faithful God. See, this passage, these five verses, Joshua 8, 30 to 35, is amazing in and of itself. Just to think that this people... How God has led them here. He's led them across the Jordan. He's, the, the cities that He has given them and in the ways that He has given them. It, it, it's a miracle that they're even sitting here at this mountain. It makes it that much more special when you realize that this is a promise that has been fulfilled. This is just a taste of what God is going to continue to do. I've given you Jericho. I've given you Ai. I've brought you to these mountains. Now look around you. I will give you the rest of it. It's a taste. It's a rest. It's an opportunity to sit and to remember. Remember how good God is. To remember His faithfulness. Secondly, it's an opportunity to remember. It's an opportunity to worship as they come to this place where God has brought them and they think back and they remember that time in the desert when God made that promise. And they look at where they are now and and they're glorying in the fact that, that God has fulfilled this promise. And you just pause and you worship. Notice what they do as Moses had commanded them. They build an altar. An altar of whole stones over which no man has wielded an iron tool. doesn't say specifically the reason why they had to be whole stones over which no one had wielded an iron tool. I think there's reasons why God would want that. It shows the simplicity. It shows that that I I want your worship. I I don't want you to put all this effort into building a big altar and glorying in the altar. I want you to build an altar and glory in me. Glory in what I have done. It is I who have got you here. It's not you. I know myself and I know that if God called me to build an altar and I built a good altar, I'd be proud of that altar. (laughs) I'd be worshiping God and I'd sing, I know you're hearing me because look at this altar. I don't know if that's the reason, but in the back of my head, I I imagine that has to be part of the reason. Just rest. 
Just worship. Just remember, I have gotten you here. Look at what I have done. Not what you have done. They offered on him burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. And all Israel, with their elders and officers and judges, stood on either side of the ark before the priests and the Levites, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the stranger as well as he who was born among them. That, that's a beautiful line right there. The stranger as well as he was born among them. When you look back at, at Joshua and those who have joined along this way, even Exodus, those who came out of Egypt with them, Rahab, who has joined them, they're part of this worship. They're able to join in to worship the Lord here. Half of them were in front on Mount Gerizim and half of them in front on Mount Ebal. They separate on these two mountains and, and they read the blessings and the cursings. Just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. They're taking time to pause, to remember, to worship. All the words that the Lord has said. And as remembering what the Lord has said, they're living one of the fulfillments of those words. God has said he would do this. God has said he would do that. God said he would do that. And look, he did that. I think it's especially powerful for them coming out of Ai. That this is the next thing that we see in Ai where they've experienced the curse of disobedience and the blessing of obedience. And now they're standing on these mountains and they're reciting the law and they're writing the law and they're reading the blessing and the cursings and, and they've seen that in action. They're sitting here and they're worshiping. And notice the central place of God's Word in this. It's about the law of God. It's about what God has said. There was not a, verse 35, there was not a word of all that Moses had commanded which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. They are standing there and they read the entire law. Not one word do they not read. That amazes me because it's hard for me to sit with our kids through one one-hour service. But they sit there with the women, the little ones, the strangers, and they listen to this law. They're all involved because they are all renewing the covenant. They're all involved in this. Each and every one of them. They have no excuse. God has brought them this far and now they pause to remember and to renew this covenant with God. They're pausing. They're returning to it. And they're saying, this we will do. This we agree with. It's almost like a couple after many years of marriage come together again to renew their vows. To say, I, I want you to know that I still mean this. A pause, a break to reaffirm. That's what we see here as they remember. As they, they, they worship, they renew their covenant with God. And then they prepare. 
I think that, that that's part of this, to stop and to take a break. To look back where they were when God made this promise, to look where they are now that God has fulfilled it. To look at the cities that God has given them in the land, how he's gotten them here, and then to look forward at all the cities that are left to get. To prepare to go forward, knowing that God is faithful. He's been faithful in the past, he'll be faithful in the future. He's gotten us here, and he will get us there where he said he would get us. I think this passage does fit here. I think it makes sense here. After the the excitement, the ups and the downs of the first eight chapters, before they go forward, it makes sense to pause, to take a breath, to remember, to renew, and then to go forward in faith. And that's where we find ourselves in the book of Joshua. God has fulfilled his word to this point, and God will continue to fulfill his word. And as they come here, they take a chance to stop, to pause, and to renew their covenant with God. We still agree. We still trust. Yes, we had a slip up. Yes, we we failed back there. But we're coming here. And we're saying now, we're ready. We trust. We want to go forward in faith. So as we come to these five verses, I think it's a chance for us to also take a break. To take a breath. To remember what God has done. How He's gotten us to where we are. To worship God for who He is. For what He's done. And then to go forward. It's a great passage for the beginning of a year. We're a couple weeks into January now, and it it makes sense to pause, to remember. We've got a year ahead of us, and we've got many years behind us. And the year ahead of us can look scary. We don't know what it holds. But when we look back at the many years behind us, and we see the faithfulness of God throughout all those years, it makes looking forward a little more easier because he was faithful in the past and he'll be faithful in the future. I want to finish by singing...